0: Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast, episode 38. Did the Bruins fire the right guy? With Maddie and Smitty brought to you on our new home, the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. Insidetherink.com is your one stop shop for all your news, NHL news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink and download the new Inside the Rink app to get everything on the website right on your phone. And now Smitty has a quick word from our new show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS
1: has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th, soon to be 28th year of live betting. Sign up at BetUS.com with the promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, that dot com and use the promo code RINK for your sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS.com.
0: <laughs> what is the... What is the etiquette for how long a sponsor is a new sponsor?
1: <laughs> I was wondering that myself because yeah. they've been our sponsor now for going on uh, almost 30 episodes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> right.
1: so right. I'm not exactly sure they're new. Uh, they are still friends of ours. Yes. Uh, but they are not exactly a new sponsor. So no. maybe, maybe it's time to change up the copy a little bit. You maybe. know, Maybe. it's a, Maybe it's a summertime read now. Maybe, maybe we talk about uh, maybe we talk about tennis or uh, the U.S. Open or uh, something like that.
0: Or, or Dustin Johnson in the uh, what the hell's he in now? The London. The L-I-V. L-I-V. L-I-F? L-I-V? I V. L A F. L I V. I don't know one something of those. Like that. One hundred and fifty mil to change, but uh, but that's golf and we're talking hockey. We are. And Bruce Cassidy was fired by the Boston Bruins on Monday. And now the Bruins in the market for a head coach. Your thoughts on the firing of Cassidy?
1: I think they fired the wrong guy, first and foremost. I think the general manager and the president of the club should have gone. I think Cassidy has done the best he could with a limited roster. And he squeezed the most out of it he could. There were holes. We've talked about the holes ad nauseum for, you know, since we've had this podcast, and, and even prior to that, we've just texted back and forth. Uh, the team's had holes for a while. Uh, if they had won in 2019 when they got a favorable matchup and a favorable draw, this probably wouldn't be happening right now. Um, but overall, he's done, I feel like, the best he could with the roster that he was provided. And,
0: uh, you know, I think they let like go of the wrong guy. I'm with you and I think that I think the I think Don Sweeney has a lot of nerve in that press conference to say you know we need a new voice and the young players younger players were afraid to make mistakes and yada yada when you gave him young players who couldn't play I mean it's documented that they can't play and when they go other places guess what they still can't play still can't play so you're asking Bruce Cassidy to try to win a cup that you, Don Sweeney, are still trying to win. You still have that you still have that one foot in the bucket trying to get a cup win. And then you are saying that the coach wasn't giving the young players enough time and it was too harsh on them when they made mistakes. That is contradictory. It doesn't make any sense to me. No. Like You're not going to put out young players who can't play and making several mistakes and not giving you any effort and, and going six, seven minutes of ice time. You're not going to continue to play those guys when you're trying to win a cup.
1: Simple as that. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, that's
0: unbelievable it, to me. It,
1: I mean, it really is. I, I, I just feel like they don't particularly have a plan. They've been kind of, for a long time, one foot in, one foot out. It, it, they, they They've never gone full tilt to win a cup. They've added no. some pieces here and there, but not enough pieces. Well, you're like, Oh, that was good. But they could have used this. They could have used one more forward. They could have used another D man and they've never gone the extra mile to do it. Cause they don't want to, you know, mortgage the future, the future that the guy can't fucking draft, can't draft the future. So mortgage all you want. They should have mortgaged. They should have sold all the picks and all the guys and, and entire draft classes. They should have just been like, yeah, you can have all our picks. Give us your best players because we certainly can't draft and develop them. So we need to take them from other teams. And, and, and in the rounds, yeah, so those aren't like high end picks. Right. You take the player over the pick any time. No, I mean, when you had the Chara, Bergeron, Marchand, Passanac, you know. You should have you should have done everything in your power to build
0: around those guys when they were in their prime, and they didn't do it. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And the 2019 Stanley Cup final was is a killer, like you said. If if they win that game, then it's probably different right now. I don't I don't know what what it is, but it's different now. Yeah, I mean, maybe they don't have, maybe they don't have you know certain guys on the team, Taylor Hall, whatever. Maybe they don't have maybe they're going in a different direction because they've technically won, you know, two cups in six years at that time or eight years at that time. So maybe that's, maybe that's different now, but the fact of the matter is, see, I think one of the big problems of this is, is that Bruins management wants the playoffs. And I think that Don Sweeney is afraid to miss the playoffs. He even said in this press conference that they're going to continue to be competitive and he, he basically said in one breath, 2015, this is more like 2015. It might have to be a rebuild. It might have to be a different direction of the path. And then in the next breath says, we're still going to be competitive. And we're still going to, you know, add to the team. We still feel like we have a good roster. Which one is it, dude? Like, well, that, that's, middle.
1: that's been the problem the whole time is the message from ownership is different than what everybody else wants. The message from ownership is get us to the playoffs, get us playoff gates. We want to make money off the playoffs. That's the ownership message. Everybody else wants to win. Now Sweeney has to kind of balance that. Whereas, you know, I don't know how you do that really. I mean, and and it's his fault. I mean, it is his fault. He's the one who picks the players and, and builds the team and so forth. And if you can make the playoffs and win, that's what your aim should be. But his aim really is to not do anything too drastic because if we get rid of some guys and then miss, then my job's in jeopardy. Well, your job's in jeopardy now and it should have been you should have been gone prior to now. He should have been gone probably a few years ago, in in my opinion, because he's just he's had horrible, horrible drafts. And 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 he has done some good things with signing players that they have to to extensions and bringing in some people on trades. But we went through some of those trades and like Taylor Hall forced his way here. That's not Sweeney. That's Taylor Hall. You don't you don't get a win for that. Taylor Hall gets a win for that. You get a win for Curtis Lazar if you want to call it Curtis Lazar for Anders Bjork. Sure. You get a win on that. But the Taylor Hall part, that's Taylor Hall. That's not you. Okay, that's not you. You can get credit for his extension. Sure. Nice job. He came here. He wanted to be here. So you took advantage of him and you signed him to a team-friendly deal. Congratulations, buddy. I could have done that.
0: Right. And you know who the, his best draft pick is, Charlie McAvoy? Fell in his lap. Sure he did. Like, fell in his lap. Yeah. You know, he, he was projected as maybe a top 10 pick. He falls to whatever that was, 16 or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. And he fell right in his lap. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, you know, that's the pick he made and great. I mean, he didn't, he didn't screw it up. Um, but, you know, you're a and, you know, I'd kind of rather have Robert Thomas or, 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 or Hiedel or someone else. Like, you yeah. know, I mean, I'd rather have, you know, there are other guys in that uh, was Yamamoto was three picks behind that. Yeah. One, two, three after that was Thomas and, and, and uh, Philip Hiedel yeah and, uh, Yamamoto. and Yamamoto. Yeah. Bang. I wanted Yamamoto. I remember at the time I
1: wanted Yamamoto in that draft.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, and we've talked about the trades he made. You know, Charlie Coil was a good trade. Johansson. He's made some, some minor trades that have been decent. His free agent signings, Have not have been have largely been bad. I saw
1: someone post on Twitter today, and it was uh, retweeted by the Don Sweeney uh, Twitter person, who may or may not be the real Don Sweeney. Um, (laughs) But this person tweeted out and was and was saying like his drafting hasn't been that bad, and then he talked about how he unloaded the contracts of Beleski and Backus, and I almost. I almost LOL'd him out of Twitter. I almost, I'm like, dude, he signed those fucking guys. Right. So he was the one responsible for the contracts he had to unload. So don't give me that. That's bullshit.
0: It is. It is. My God. And and, and there wasn't a, you know, there wasn't an enormous market for those two guys. He went out and got those two guys. Like Bolesky at the time, he felt like he had to make a big splash free agent. Yeah. And and Bolesky had that one postseason yeah, he, run. He right. wasn't.
1: He, he was coming long off a good history. Yeah, he was coming off a good a good regular season and a good playoffs because he was playing with Getzloff and Perry, who Perry I believe was the MVP of the fucking league that year.
0: Right. Right. And, and Getzloff is probably both could be hall of famers. Right. And he's playing with those two guys. I mean, that's gonna make you a little better. You'd you think know, coming in and playing with. You know Ryan Spooner, and it's a little <laughs> different. You know, so so that didn't work out. Uh, and then, like you said, Backus, they had to give up a first, and you know, it, it's just they he's had to take make trades and and shed contracts that were bad, and he's done that a couple of times, and that's cost know, him li- cost really him gets- cost him Ryan Lingren, cost him a nice right. piece that cost the Rangers him him are Ryan using
1: right right now. Had to send What's him to New York to get of rid of the Linen. yeah to get rid of the Backus deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, and that's one, and that's a guy that you that you drafted correctly, and you had to get rid of, right? Because you because you made a bad a bad contract signing, so you know, and they can't they can't evaluate their own guys. Can't you say to them, you can't have Ryan Lingren, you can have Eurovacanin, or you could have, you know, I don't know, Tommy Cross, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) some ass some asshole from Providence, not Ryan Lingren. But right. no, they, you know, they take Lingren and he turns out to be a really good, solid de- NHL
0: top four defenseman who you he's could a, certainly use right now. Oh, my God. He, he would look a hell of a lot better than Brandon Carlo and or Frizzik. I mean, he's he's a good, solid defenseman that mm-hmm. you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Cam Neely, he, you know, he doesn't get he's getting some heat now, but it's a lot of Sweeney fire right now. And Cam Neely, I, I'm not sure what he does. I'm not sure what he does. It, the only thing I can really think of is that when things are going bad and they're not physical enough, he'll say, go sign Nick Felino, Go trade for Nick Ritchie. Go get Brett Ritchie. Go get a guy who is a hammerhead and can play a physical tough style. And there's, we've talked about this before. There's a disconnect, I think, between Neely and Sweeney when it comes to Sweeney saying we need to play a modern kind of style. And Neely's still in that rough, rugged, let's mash guys through the ice. You know, and that's, that's, that's sort of a, they always fall back to that. They listen to the fans and the media say how soft they are or how other teams are heavier in this type of, they're not tough enough. Well, part of that was the style they were playing under Cassidy. They weren't getting between the dots and all of that stuff. And then Neely will come in with this. We need to get a hammerhead. And, It just doesn't seem to be much of a plan as to getting guys who are going to fit the system that you brought the coach in to coach. Yeah. Well, there's that. And then,
1: and then it's also, what is your identity as a hockey club? And they've always said our identity as a hockey team is to be hard to play against. Well, that's too general. Yeah. Every team wants to be hard to play against. That's not an identity. We're hard to play against. How are you hard to play against? What do you do that makes you hard to play against? What is it? They don't know. No, they it's, don't know. Is, it, is it a big physical defense that, that punishes the forwards? No, it's not that because they don't have those guys. Is it an aggressive forecheck? Nah, sometimes. If, if the right guys are on the ice that can win puck battles and go in and, and win battles in the corners, is it, is, if Martian's out there, sure, yeah, it's an aggressive forecheck. If Bergeron's out there with great stick position, it's an aggressive forecheck. With the rest of the guys on the team, it isn't because they cruise around and then fall back into a, you know, a neutral zone trap. You know What kind of team are you? They don't know. And they haven't known for years, and they and they so they just get random guys. Neely will say we need a we need a guy who hits, or Sweeney will like, Oh, we need some skill, we need a skilled forward. They're a mishmash of styles and it and it doesn't fit. They don't have a true identity. If you talk you talk about the the cup teams that have won and they have an identity. They do. Yeah, they do and, and the they Bruins an do not.
0: No, they don't. And I think the way Cassidy likes to coach, I think you're getting guys who don't really fill that 100%. And that leads to the whole identity thing is, are you getting guys who fit Cassidy's style? So all these younger guys you bring in and Cassidy doesn't like any of them, well, that's that's a problem because you're not scouting and drafting to how he's going to coach and what he expects from the players. So if you're getting Trent Frederick in the first round, 29th, and he can't fucking skate. Then he comes into Cassidy's, you know, system, and he's in and out of the lineup because Cassidy's getting frustrated with him. Well, that's your fault. That's your problem. First round guy, you know, as a third round, as a guy with third uh, third line potential, is sort of absurd. And then you give him instead of giving him Alex to bring it and and forecheck and and make plays in the zone, you're getting him Trent Frederick, who is like a Darren Ice. So I don't. It doesn't match up. So I think they're stuck in between. We want to keep some of that old Berwin's identity, but we want to be modern and they continue to screw it up.
1: Well, they can do that if they just did it the right way. Like Tampa has done it the right way. Tampa has a a big physical mobile defense. They have Headman, obviously top of the first round. Like you're not that, that player is a hall of famer. He's not, he doesn't grow on trees. But you have a guy like McAvoy who's a similar type player. He's not as big as Hedman is, but he is offensively gifted. He's growing into that. He plays physically. He wins pucks. He moves the puck like you have a guy like that. They have a Ryan McDonough. You don't have that. You have a Brandon Carlo who can skate but doesn't hit. New York has Jacob Truba who's a similar style to McDonough. You have Brandon Carlo who is a poor man Jacob Truba because he skates and can hit or doesn't want to hit or is too nice to hit whatever it is. So, they don't have the right guys to be kind of that physical defense that you could put out there and say our team is a physical defense and an attacking whatever offense. Like right. Be th- have that be your style. But they right. have, you know, Grizzlick, who's 5-9 and Ashan who's 5-6. And, yeah. you know, Mike right. Riley who's not physical. And, you know, a bunch of other guys who don't really fit that mold. So what are you trying to do back there? Like, are are you trying to have like one guy that's physical and another guy that's a puck mover? Like, yeah, that's great. But when you get into the playoffs, is is that really what you want?
0: I'm not sure. No, because the guys who don't play that way get exposed, right? Like Mike Riley, then mm-hmm. you have to scratch him, making three million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's a problem. Grizzlick gets exposed, gets hurt because he can't handle that. Two thousand and eleven, you had you know Ference and McQuaid and Seidenberg and Shara, I and mean, when you had guys who mm-hmm. were physical and a little nasty, and you know wouldn't wouldn't lie in front of the net, you know were really hard to play against. There's yes. that phrase again, right? And, you're not hard to play against. McAvoy's hard to play against. Yeah, and maybe you know I don't even think Lindholm is hard to play against. He's a gifted player, and I'm fine with him. But I don't think he fits that mold either. He's not Dennis Seidenberg. He's no, he's not. He's, he's going to be a bull. No, he's not hard to play, not play against.
1: Char is hard to play against. McAvoy's right. hard to play against. Right. Marchand is hard to play against. Bergeron, you know, is not going to crush you but he's hard to play against because every time you make a pass he's there to break it up or sticks in the right spot or he's anticipating what you're going to do uh he wins face-offs he does all the little things the right way like they don't have a team full of those guys they don't have a team that's hard to play against charlie coyle for as big and as great he is at puck possession is not hard to play against no. Because he doesn't take the puck to the net. He floats it around the outside like an asshole. And then right. occasionally, when he decides that he wants to play once every 10, 12 games, we'll take the puck to the net. And you're like, damn, right. if he did that he all play the play. time, he'd be hard yeah. to play against. But he right. doesn't,
0: so he isn't. Right. That's a guy with the size and skill and puck possession talent to be more than a 40-point-a-year guy. Like, that's that's what's... That's what's that's what is a that's what's the problem with a guy like Coyle. Like it, it, it looks great and it smells great but it ain't great. Like it just it's he he lets you down. He just you can you, you watch this guy and you're like why doesn't he get 60 70 points? If I'm like why, if, yeah, you know, I why mean, isn't he good enough?
1: I mean, if I'm if I'm Cam Neely or or the coach of whoever the next coach is, I sit Charlie Coyle down and I show him tapes of Cam Neely and like you could be this guy. You don't have to fight like he used to fight. But right. you could be this guy. You possess the puck like him. He has a great shot. He doesn't use it nearly no. enough. No. But good he good hands. Yeah. He has, he has all the tools to be mm-hmm. a Cam Neely type player without the nastiness and the drive, which right. is, you know, a huge part of it. Right. Does he have the heart to go to the
0: front of the net? I'm not so sure he does. No, I don't think he does. And I, he's he's a guy who should get 10 rebound goals a year just from standing there, yeah. just from being there. He's big and he has good hands, but that's again, that's another guy that doesn't play with any type of identity and you know, Taylor Hall, I mean he's not a guy, he's incredibly gifted, but I wouldn't say he's a guy who's hard to play against unless he's coming at you full speed. <laughs> like, I, he's not. So, I don't know. It's 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 a team now that went three weeks ago from, well, they might give it one more run, and Pasternak they'll probably sign, and so forth, to now, there's so many balls in the air. I don't even know. If I'm Don Sweeney, I don't even know where to begin. And it looked like in his press conference that he didn't know where to begin. I don't think he does know where to begin, and that's scary because he's the one in charge of the, you know, rebuild yeah, and that's, to me, that's just, that's kind of frightening. Um, all right, 7 Chirps Time, sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woodstock Wins- Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week, and you can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lobsbrewing.com and also follow them at Lops Brewing for new beers and events. Chirp number one, who will be the replacement for Bruce Cassidy? So I've
1: been thinking about this quite a bit today. I've read a lot of stuff about it. I've seen all the recycled names and I'll tell you what, I don't want a recycled guy. I don't. Right. I don't want a I don't want a bonus. I don't want a torts. I don't want a Babcock. I don't want trots. I don't want uh any of those guys who have been bouncing around the league team to team. I if you if you want to if you want to t- uh, talk about drafting and developing and developing young players and getting young players to play. I think you got to go with a, a young coach. So to me, I'm looking at not necessarily a David Quinn because I, I I'm even though he, he was at B U with McAvoy and and Grizzlick, I'm thinking of maybe like a guy like Nate Lehman at at Providence. I think he would be a good choice. He's been around here. He is a local guy, Providence has had good teams under him. The teams always play hard. He's good at developing young guys. There's a couple of young guys that they've taken from Providence, uh, you know, uh, in the undrafted free agency. Um, So I'm thinking guys like that, like a young up and coming coach that you can kind of catch on the way up rather than a guy who's been there and has the same old recycled bullshit.
0: Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. I and if look, if Don Sweeney's telling the truth, he's not going with a Torts or a Babcock because he wants a, he needs a coach that's nice to the young players, like gives them some rope. Like he's not going to bring Torts in here screaming the young guys. I mean, he just got rid of Cassidy, who's not even close to the emotional wreck that Torts is. Right. So he's not going to bring Tortorella in. He's not going to bring uh, Babcock in. I don't even. I don't even think I want Torts. I'm. I'm with you. I kind of thought initially it would be Jay Leach, just because he was Providence coach five years. The Bruins love to keep it close, you yeah, know, in the family and all that stuff. They don't usually go too far out when they have it. Typically, isn't hasn't worked out. You know, Dave Lewis and guys. You know, mm-hmm. Pat Burns had a problem with Thornton. Like it's, you know, when they go outside the organization, it hasn't always worked out. Claude Julien was, you know, worked out. But, you know, some of them don't. So Jay Leach would be a guy. And I think judging by Sweeney's comments today about it doesn't, you don't need to have experience. It's not a prerequisite. That opens the door for Mark Savard or Marco Sturm. Yeah. I I, and,
1: I, I think, know. yeah, I think both of those guys, I was just going to mention Savard. I think both of those guys would be, would be good choices too. Cause you know, Sturm was a Bruin, obviously Savard was a Bruin, um, they both had some coaching experience, but not uh, Savard in the OHL with some head coaching experience. And Sturm coached uh, juniors, right? Or or the German he national team. The
0: German national team yeah. to a silver, which is ungodly, right? I and mean, it's Germany shouldn't be winning a silver medal in hockey. Yeah, yeah. He did it in the uh, Winter Olympics in 2018, and now he's an LA Kings assistant, uh, and is highly regarded as an up and coming coach. Obviously, the ties with the Bruins. Do you think the You know, do you think the, you know, the fans response uh, has anything to do with this next hire? I mean, this has been a colossal, I mean, 95% of people think Cassidy got screwed and are pretty much irate right now. Do you think that has any, like, do you think they, they lean toward a Savard because he's going to be a fan favorite?
1: I I think they would. I think they do. I think they do absolutely hear what the fans say, and they and they do, even though they shouldn't at all listen to what the right. fans say. No, um, especially not Bruins fans. No, but they do. No. I I think yeah. they do hear it, and I think that will. I'm not. I'm not sure it would get the make the person get the person the job, but I think it would play a factor for sure. Yeah. Like I I think I think it will I think it will influence them. I don't think it will be the final, you know, final decision maker, but I think it will definitely influence them.
0: Now, Savard has tweeted out before how much he is. That's a dream job for him to be the Bruins' head coach. He did it again today. He was talking about the Spitfires and he tweeted out he tweeted at the Bruins with eyeballs. Okay. So, I mean, he's, he's after the Bruins job and he wants it. And I, and I even retweeted something out. He, that he, I think it was maybe back in April or maybe even before that, where he said something about being his dream job being the Bruins. And I, and I quote tweeted it and he liked it. Like so, he's he's on it like a bonnet. Like he wants the Bruins head coaching job. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a ruse. I think he really wants it. So it's you know, it's not that. I mean, he's gonna if he's gonna get it. I mean, if they're gonna interview him, he's gonna go after it 100. percent. And maybe that's a pretty good move. I, you know, I don't. You know, in hockey, I don't know how much experience is really a factor. You need the talent on the ice, and you need the guys to to get behind the coach and play together as a team. I'm not sure how much a guy that's 25 years, like a Rick bonus has been 30 something years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure if that's really necessary now. I mean, bonus is well-respected and a likable guy and it does a really good job. He's an excellent hockey coach, but I don't think it's necessary to bring that type of guy in. And I think that, I think that they will, if Sweeney mentioned that and he made a point to mention it, I think he's setting up the fan base to say, we're going to get a guy who doesn't have a ton of experience. And he, because I don't think he would have really gone on his way to say it if that wasn't the case. Uh, Chart number two, Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grislick and Mike Riley all have surgery. uh, All have long rehabs. Bruins missing key players to start the season. Does this preclude a, a rebuild? And is this part of the reason why they've gone this direction, in in kind of a one eighty, I think it I think
1: it plays a part for sure. Like they know that they're going to struggle the first you know couple months of the season. and McAvoy yeah. both out eight, uh, six months, um, Grizzly five months. Yeah. yeah, right. Grizzly five months. Yeah. Riley three months. Um, right. That also hurts trade value for. Does. Either one of those two guys who, who I would imagine one, or, one of them will be gone. One of them will not be on the Bruins mm-hmm. um, to start the next uh, season. But I, I think I think it does play, uh, play a role for sure because I think, you know, they, they can see kind of the writing on the wall that they're going to struggle coming out of the gate, especially if they don't have Bergeron. Um, and maybe the head coach, whoever it is, plays a role in that. If it's Marco Sturm, who was good buddies with Bergeron maybe Bergeron decides to come back. Maybe that entices Krejci to come back. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have, you know, you have a little bit more than you thought you did. And you, if you can tread water for a little bit until you get some of those uh, key guys back, you know, maybe you're okay. Um, but, you know, he said they weren't going to be super active in free agency. It's because they don't have any money. They signed all money, these guys to, to terrible yeah. contracts. And they have uh, have some contracts that they either need to buy out or get rid of or trade guys. So um, it's not movement clauses. Yeah. I mean, the future is not particularly bright right now in regards to the roster and roster construction. Like they have got some work to do for sure.
0: And the prospects they have are not ready no either so it's not like two or three guys are coming in and ready to take a roster spot I just don't believe Fabian Lysel is going to do that I don't believe Georgian Makulov is going to do that Johnny Beecher might in the fourth line fine whatever Mark McLaughlin fine but their top prospects Brett Harrison they aren't ready to play no at this level and that's it. so they're in between now they have a an aging roster with a bunch of bad contracts and no movement clauses and some prospects the top prospects they have in the system, top five probably, aren't ready to go. No. So now now you're in between again. And that's kind of where they've always been. And Don Sweeney doesn't want can't go through a season season with, with no playoffs because he'll be fired and he knows that. So there's some of that too where he's protecting himself and saying, you know what, if we could just squeeze out the eighth seed, like <laughs> if we can just squeeze out the last playoff spot, then at least we get playoff games. And I survive another year. I just don't see him. He came in as a rebuild in 2015 yeah. and immediately made like seven trades. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have that luxury now. No, because he's the GM who created this mess. Yeah, let me let me ask you a
1: question. If if uh, if they do, if the Bruins do squeak in in the eight seed, but lose in the first round again, is he gone? Because I would fire no, his ass. I, I don't think so.
0: No, I don't think so. No, I you know and, well here, here's the thing. I don't think he's gone if. The, you know, if there's a light at the end of the tunnel with some of the prospects coming up the next year, if he if they sign David Pasternak for a reasonable contract, and you know they they have to sign Jeremy Swayman who's an RFA mm-hmm. at the end of that too, so that's a raise, and then you'll have two five million dollar goalies. So, but I think he would survive. I think he would survive if they got through next year, got to the playoffs. Uh, and performed okay. I think he'd get another year. I I, I really do. I Even think... if he was like swept out in the first round, you think they'd keep him? Well swept swept might be different. If they lose if they lose another game seven in the first round, I think he might save his job, to be honest. If they get swept, then there'll probably be enough of an outcry to have him gone. The problem though is Cam Neely. Like you have to let him go too. You do. You have to clean the house. Yeah. And I love Cam as a player, yeah, but of course. he's just not a very good executive. No, he's not a good executive I can at all. Say that without, without losing my affection for him. Yeah, like he just isn't good. No. So, in other words, I love him as a hockey player, and I'll watch him all night long. Yeah, but he's not going to run my business. No, you know. So that's fine. You know what I mean? So, um, so he has to go. So the whole thing has to be cleaned out. The problem you have is the new guy comes in with this first year coach that he can't pick now. Right. So now do you change the coach again? Like, that's what, that's what they're setting them up, themselves up for. Right. Is this new guy comes in and says, sorry, Mark Savard. You know, you, got, you, you, you struggled through that year. God bless you. Mm-hmm. But see you later. We're going in a different direction. And that's what you don't know what's going to happen there. You don't. So as a nope. coach coming in, you have to think that, you know, Savard or Sturm or Leach or whoever, you have to know that Sweeney could be gone. And some other guy could be coming in and t- getting his own guy. Yeah, uh, that creates an, an interesting dynamic. Chirp number three: Patrice Bergeron wins his fifth Selkie with 160 first place votes. Uh, Brad Marchand twelfth in the voting. Bergeron has completely dominated this award for 11 years and should have won probably eight or nine of these. He should um, have. Just it's just unbelievable. Um, the best, you know, the best defensive forward with offensive ability that maybe there ever was. Yeah. I think he's,
1: I think you can go out. You can say now that he's the best defensive forward of all time. You sure can defensive.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Now, if you want to say best two way forward, there's, there's some conversations to be had because, you know, you have, you know, your Datsukes and your Fedorovs and, Mm -hmm. and some, some guys who, who would definitely um, be in that argument. But if you want to, if you want to talk about pure defense, Pure defensive forwards, I mean, he's, he's been nominated for the trophy 11 years in a row, which broke Gretzky's record for nominated for uh, major hardware in the league. Um, right. And he's yeah. won it five times, which is the most ever. Uh, right. Should have won it more than that. And, yeah. and it was basically just because of you know, fatigue that voters yeah. were voting for other people. Uh, when he clearly was better, so he probably should have seven or eight of the things like you said, and and he definitely should be considered the best defensive forward of all time.
0: And no, no question. And and you know that leads me to chirp number four. And I loved Patrice Bergeron, and I and I you know what? Now I don't know if I really want him back because if if your team is kind of depleted and you're going in a rebuild mode, then. I don't know if it's worth it to have one more last hurrah as a fan. Maybe you give him the farewell tour, but I don't think it, it matters if he comes back, if you're in that, if you're in that situation, but is the delay in Bergeron's decision hurting the Bruins?
1: I don't think it is yet because they really haven't hit uh free agency. Really? Right. Um So, you know, it's, it's the signing your own guys type of stuff, I guess that it could affect, but um, you know there's what him and Bleed and Lazar are those the only three <laughs> right. so right. I don't think it's really impacting them all that much Bleed they're going to go tell to go fuck himself because he he talked his way off the team in the exit interviews when he said he didn't come oh, to yeah. sit on the ninth floor yeah. he came to play okay. hockey so okay. no, take no. your take your four goals in 70 games and fuck right off yeah. So yeah. there's that. And then <laughs> Lazar, you know, I would like, to, I like him as a player. I would love him to be back on the team, but he's just going to cost too much. So I, I, yeah. I can't see that happening. They would be um, stupid to resign him, you know, yeah. for a, for like a two year deal at, you know, one and a half a year or something like that. Like you have guys who can fill that role. Like you, you can't afford to, uh, especially being this close to the cap, you can't afford to resign him. Uh, and as much as I love the guy, uh, you know, he's got to be gone too. So that just leaves Berge. So I don't think he's really holding him up all that much. Um, and I, I think maybe, maybe he's waiting to see who the head coach is going to be before he decides. And maybe that will cause some dominoes to, to fall with Krejci or some other people possibly. Mm-hmm.
0: He did make a comment that it was absurd to think that he had any, it had any bearing on the firing of Cassidy, and um, he just basically blew it off as a stupid, stupid idea to begin with. So, I don't think Bergeron, you know, had any real say. And I don't think it's Bergeron that caused, or no. or even de or anybody else that caused Cassidy to be fired. I think he's just a scapegoat. scapegoat.
1: He is a scapegoat. And they he, uh, Sweeney said that he didn't lose the rum,
0: right? So, and then he I mean, around and says we need a new voice, yeah, which is it, like, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, he, this is what you do when you're a GM on the, with your feet to the fire.
1: Right. You're exactly. on the hot seat, and you have to make right. up excuses for why you fired the coach, even though he didn't deserve to be fired. Like right. like he's, it, you talk about regular season point production in the last six years since Cassidy's been in the league. Only the Lightning, only the Lightning, who are back-to-back cup champions, have more regular and postseason wins in the last six years than Bruce Cassidy. Only, that's the only team. The only one, right? So he's done. He's done pretty well with a roster that is full of holes. Honestly,
0: and you could see with game. uh, What was it? Game four? Was it game four where they where they lost Lindholm and McAvoy? Where McAvoy was lost to the COVID. One of the home games, right? Yes. Where he was lost to the to the COVID, and they won that game without their top pairing. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean that's that's everything you need to know about. About casting the type of coach he is, I mean, they, you know, they've the second to the Lightning is pretty incredible. And yeah, especially with all the holes we keep talking about this team having, right? Like we keep talking about their holes, their secondary scoring, their bottom pair defense, the fact that they aren't that physical, that they are not big and not fast. Right, that's interesting. You know, so they, you know, they have a lot of you know sort of faults, and they're a one line team and have been a one line team for. God knows how long. They've been a one line uh, team since the mid 80s. (laughs) (laughs) True, 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 because they don't get that. They don't pay for the second line. They don't get that second line guy. And they left six million bucks on the table. That they that they were able to save after the Lindholm uh, trade and re-sign, mm-hmm. they had six million dollars in cap space. They did not use. Did not use it. They didn't use. So they could have used an Andrew Kopp. Maybe sure, could have Kopp somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, put him on the line with Smith and Coyle or take Smith off that fucking line and put Kopp there, or whatever. Right. Like it's so. Yeah, I mean, Cassidy's done a wonderful job. Now we've we've said before that you know, a hockey coach's voice does wear thin. I mean, it does a shelf life, it does. which we acknowledge. And we, we and so I'm not 100% surprised that he he isn't lasting much longer. I'm just surprised at the timing and the fact that we all thought three weeks ago that, yeah, we're going to change the way we coach, Cam said. But that didn't have any indication that Cassie would be gone. No, it sounded like a collaboration, like we're going to get together and decide what we need to do. And even Cassidy said we need to make some changes and we're going to decide. Yeah.
1: they. I mean, they I'll let the it. They let the guy fire Kevin Dean and then they turn yeah, around I mean, three weeks later and fire the guy. I mean, that's just it's just an absolute shit show over there. And it and it, and it and it and it's the top down. It's it's the Jacobs to Neely to Sweeney. On down, and it's a and it's a shit show, and they don't they don't really necessarily know what's going on. They don't have a direction. They don't they they're piecemealing it together. They're trying to stay relevant. They're trying to win. They're trying to uphold the big bad Bruin. They're trying to do all these things that are pulling them in different directions. Whether one direction and one focus needs to be winning a cup, and it's not the main focus.
0: No it's not the main focus and it never has been we've grown up with this team it's you know it's just never have it's never been the main focus and after, the salary cap as i mentioned last week has helped the bruins and helped the fan base because they'll spend to the cap it's almost like they're capping themselves where they don't they can say okay we can budget 82 million or whatever fine you know if it wasn't a salary cap that's when the bruins wouldn't get the extra guy like they wouldn't just spend freely. Mm-hmm. So it has helped them. Uh, trip number five: interesting dilemma after next season. Jeremy Swayman will be in RFA. Linus Almark will have two more years left at $5 million per. Would you consider trading Swayman sooner than later?
1: Uh, honestly, I'd probably
0: go the other way with that.
1: I would probably with hold Allmark. Yeah, I would probably trade Almark and keep Swayman. Because I think probably this first deal with Swayman, you probably can get him for a little bit less than the five. Um, He's younger. You're going to have him under control for more years. Uh, So I would go in the other direction. I'd probably look to trade Allmark and keep Swayman. And hopefully Swayman turns out to be a better version of himself or of Allmark. And you get a better goalie, you know, at a little bit cheaper price initially. And then you'll probably have to pay him. But you would have the better goalie over the longer period of time
0: yeah I probably would too this this what this situation has happened in the last couple of days, if they're going rebuild, it might change my opinion a little bit because Swayman could get more of a return you know for a guy who doesn't make a ton of money and has a really good you know potential to be to be good um so maybe that i I think I would before I explore Parsonak, um trading him. Uh, I would probably explore like Taylor Hall and even Marchand and Swayman and those types of guys that, that are the assets you can get something for Yeah. before I do Parsonak. And that leads me to chart number six. Are the Bruins really going to trade David Parsonak?
1: I, I mean, they would be, they would just be colossally stupid to do that unless, unless he gives them some kind of an outrageous contract demand that they can't sign the guy. Um, they were just like 40 goal scores don't grow on fucking trees. Like you can't find those know guys. That. You yeah. can't find them. They're not around. And the no. teams that have them certainly don't let them walk.
0: No, they give them big money.
1: They give them big money. Yeah. You know, look at the Maple Leafs. Look at yeah. Edmonton. Look at Chicago. Yeah. All yeah. those guys they gave big money deals to and they kept the stars at home where they should be. You know the Islanders let Tavares walk. Look at them now; they're a shell of them of themselves. You know, you you don't when you let go of guys that are forty goal scorers or thirty five to forty goal. Like it doesn't work out in your favor, ever.
0: Not at twenty five years old,
1: no, ever. No. So no. the last thing they should do is trade that guy. You want to tra- you want to explore trading Martian. You know, coming off double hip surgery, you know, before I would say even I said you know he should retire. Bruin, I still believe that. But if you if you're blowing the whole damn thing up, you know that's a guy you explore before Pasternak because yes. Pasternak's one of your core pieces. You should build from the net out, in my opinion. You you keep Swayman. You have McAvoy and Lindholm. You have Pasternak, and you know. Hopefully, you build up the middle, but, you know, they, they don't have that. Um, but he's one of the core pieces of the team that you will keep.
0: Yes, I, and I agree. And if you could get, like, if you could trade Marshan for a, you know, a young center, like a Konechny or some, like, if you could trade him for, like, a a young centerman that you can build with, if, you know, depending on if a team wants to get much better quickly or make a run, and you can get a young, if you can get an, you know, an Alex Newhook or someone uh, that you can build around a little bit, then I would I would explore that. And I would explore trading Taylor Hall. I don't know what you could get for him now, but he has a 60-point scorer now, you know, and he has a no movement, but I think it expires soon. And then there's a 16-team trade list. So when it comes to that point, I, I explore that too. Uh, obviously, Coyle and those guys, I mean, those are the guys I probably try to get rid of first. And then you need to get better up the middle and you need to get young, young and good up the middle with some potential. And that just like 40 goal scores, uh, does not grow on trees. Um, here's what I think about Parsonak. He's going, I think you're headed toward a no one's making more than Charlie situation. So I don't think, I think Charlie McAvoy is going to be the highest paid player on the team for a while. Because the Bruins' history is as such: Ray Bork, and then no one made more than Krejci for a while. Like they sort of set the bar. I don't think Parsonak's getting ten million bucks from them, so I think they're going to offer him like an an eight for sixty-five, eight for seventy kind of thing. And it's going to be his determination on how much he loves Boston. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, I think they will offer. I think, I think they'll offer him McAvoy money. I think they'll they'll offer him the same contract, eight same eight, contract? eight okay. at nine and a half.
0: So if he does get the same contract and he doesn't, and he scoffs at it some, they will trade him before this draft. They will trade him within a month and and try to get into the first round of this draft because they will have to get a fairly immediate return or immediate asset. uh, When's he up? He's up after this year. Okay. So yeah, they they would have to. They won't do it during the season. So they will have to do it. I think. Before the trade deadline, um, I mean, I'm sorry. Before the uh, the draft this year, so a month from now, um, and maybe they trade him to, you know, maybe to well, like, know, would you like, like would you, Seattle? Would
1: you, know? you consider trading him to like Montreal or the team that has the two to move up to get like Connor Bedard? Uh, not uh, Connor Bedard, Shane, right? Like, would you trade up into the very top of this draft? Like, if it could get you pick one or pick two to get either Bedard or the uh, the oh, the what is he a Finnish kid or a Swedish kid, the six four? Oh yeah, Sofansky so or something know, like that.
0: You know what's intriguing to me, and I, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And I don't know, I don't know how many assets you need to include to make it a fair deal, but I I, I don't mind Seattle. From, from Matty Veneers, and I think they have the fifth overall, like something like that, and then maybe like a, a couple of twos. Because you look at, Lin, uh, look at Lindholm's trade. It was a, it was a first and two, two seconds. So maybe you go like Veneers, the five overall, in two seconds or something, or, or maybe another guy's in there too, another young four with some potential. I don't know. Um, and, of course, Seattle would need to try to get better quickly and get a marquee guy now. They're first, they're just in the league. He can, they can market the shit out of. Oh yeah, David Karsenak. absolutely. So that's the type of deal, you know. Maybe like connect me, and maybe Philadelphia connect me and another one of their young players, and they're up there in the draft too. Um, I like the Baneers' I don't know idea. How deep the draft I like that. Is after cup, the first couple. Yeah,
1: I like the Baneers' idea. I do.
0: I mean, I, don't, I heard that on Sports Hub today. Some caller called in and said, Manny Veneers, and they have the fifth. And I think that's a pretty good starting point if, you really ha- if you're up against it. You're really going to see. I mean, there's a report today that Parsonak's friend sent yeah, something I saw to that. Fluto at the Athletic saying he was mad, how he treated the two best friends. And yeah. All Krug, that.
1: Krug and Krejci. He yeah. let both of them walk without really offering them contracts. <clears throat> I could see, I could see how that would aggravate yeah. him. I could see yeah. that. And
0: now with Cassidy gone, which who knows if he really liked Cass? he probably didn't. And then now with a rebuild or complete unknown with all these guys out and you don't know what they're going to do. Does he really want to invest? Does he really want to stay here? Yeah, he, go through yes. a rebuild, right. Yeah, when the first three or four years could be dog shit. Could yeah. be no chance to win the Cup. No, And he hasn't won the Cup because no. he wasn't here. No, So he's going to be wanting to do that. So that could play into it too. So I think you're going to get an indication fairly quickly. They're not going to let this get into the season. Uh, and they're in a position right now where they're up against it anyway. And their number one chip is Pasternak, And, you know, a, another team can set... You know the the salary for him, it's kind of laid up there like a softball. <laughs> I don't want them to trade Pasternak. I want them, like you said, McAvoy, Lindholm, Swayman, Pasternak. Start there and then figure it out. But if they if they aren't going to give him ten, eleven million, and he wants that, then you have to do it, and that that would be, and that would be really dangerous for them because the fan base would have an absolute conniption.
1: They would because, like I said, 40 goal scores don't grow on trees. Right. They, just, they just don't. It's not, you, you don't find those guys. You don't no, find them. You don't. You, you
0: don't. don't. Um, all right, chirp number seven. What now? What, what <laughs> if you were Don Sweeney, what, what are your first couple of things you're doing? To, uh, to sort of set the tone for where you're going to be because today was so wishy-washy that yeah. I have no idea what direction he's going in because yeah. he spoke out of both sides of his mouth. Mm-hmm. What couple of things are you going to do that says, okay, this is what we're doing, <laughs> period, end of story? Okay, number one, if I'm Don Sweeney, I fire
1: myself. <laughs> I, I show myself the door. Right. I tell Cam to come with me. Mm-hmm. And uh I see if I could talk uh Stevie Isa into coming to coming to Boston and, and building a building an original six team here, even though he's uh mm-hmm. doing a, a pretty good job with the Red Wings. Mm. Um I don't I don't I don't know. Based on based on how badly he's screwed this up, I'm not sure what you can do other than um tank this year. You know, Bergeron doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. You don't contact Krejci. I don't know why Krejci would want to come into the um, the mess that is this. <clears throat> um, you know, I I I guess you explore an extension with Pasternak, but that it doesn't work out. Then you have to look at trading him, and if the and if you're looking to trade him, then you're looking at trading Marchand, and you're just blowing the whole thing up, and you're tanking for Connor Bedard next year, and you're hoping that you get a generational talent that's a centerman who's going to be, you know, the next McDavid apparently. Right. And, and you hope like hell that you right. suck bad enough that you get the number one overall pick and then you start there and you have, mm-hmm. you know, McAvoy and, and Connor Bedard to build around. But, uh, I mean, that's wishful thinking. You know, we thought the Celtics were going to do that. Oh, here comes Tim Duncan. Nope. It's nope. Ron Mercer. Congratulations.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what, the last time, what, what's not so comforting is the last time they had really high picks. Uh, Joe Thornton, Tyler Sagan, Dougie Hamilton, they were all gone within. Yeah. Know, they traded them all because they're, because they're, they're idiots. Right. So they, 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 they draft these guys and they don't keep them very long. So that would be my problem with it is are they going to draft it correctly? And if the, if it, if it's number one or two and they have no choice but to take a Tyler Sagan or whatever, I mean, are they going to keep that guy past his entry level deal? Yeah, and they got bad. They got bad returns for all those guys too, which is they did. Story. They got bad returns that set them back. Um, so I don't know. I my my thing is, I would sit down with David Pasternak tomorrow, and I would say I would fly to Sweden or wherever it is, and I'd say, okay, David, give me your num- your best. This is what I'll. This is a, This is what I will play for. This is what I will stay a Bruin for. Give it to me now and see where you're at on that. And if he says 11 million or whatever, then you have to start the ball rolling right now to get the most assets you can for him. If it's not, if he's close to McAvoy, if he's in that range, then I try to nail it down. But that's the first thing I do because you could save face real quickly by announcing an extension. I think they can't do it until when's the hockey calendar? Is it July one? Uh, is it July year. 1
1: with the with the uh start of free agency yeah, the in the start line? of the
0: next year yeah something like start that start of free agency is the 13th of yep. July or whatever but whatever that is the next couple of weeks here you you could save a lot of face by announcing that extension and you could you could start to you could you AK. could
1: you could turn you could save a lot of face if the extension was like 8 at 56 oh shit you know yeah. what i mean oh, God, like yeah. if like if he comes in at or 8 at 64 like Comes right. in at eight times eight or eight times seven and a half or something. Like if you yeah. if you get him oh, in sure. at that number, then all of a sudden you you're back to being Sweeney's, you know? Right? Yeah.
0: So that's another great re-signing. And the second time he's taking a below-market deal. Right. Um, I don't know if he would do that again, but I don't even if so. it's eight at nine, you know, even if yeah. it's pretty good deal because that's still Toronto has two guys making over eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Panarin makes over eleven. Yeah. You know, I mean, guys, guys make. Much even a couple million more than that, mm-hmm. that do what Parsonak does. So if you can get him at or below McAvoy, yeah, that saves a ton of face. And that's a, that's a really great step for Sweeney, and it turns people around fairly quickly. So uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. But that's the first thing I do is figure out what Parsonak's doing. And if he doesn't, you start the ball rolling right now with what are we going to do with this guy? Uh, all right, it's time. For a random throwback draft, <laughs> and the random throwback draft this this uh, week, 2003 draft in honor of Patrice Bergeron and winning the Selkie of uh, the 2003 draft, he was picked 45th overall. And I'll tell you what, I was just looking at the draft. This draft is loaded, and it had like 14 centers that had, like, over a 1,000 games or 900 to over a 1,000 games. There was Getzlaff and there was Pavelski, and it was... I mean, there were a lot of really good centers in this draft, and Bergeron, 45th overall. The number one pick in the draft was Marc-Andre Fleury. That had a pretty bird. good career. And then Eric Stahl was second, Nathan Horton third. Nikolai Zherdev, fourth. <laughs> uh, the worst pick In this draft, was probably uh, well. Actually, you had Ryan Kessler, You had Mike Mike Richards. Was this Brian Boyle, Corey Perry, Brent Burns? We had a lot. Zach Parise, Jeff Carter, Dustin Brown, Brent Seabrook. That first round was wow, really Really good, really really good, really good. And uh, and Louis Erickson went thirty third, ten picks or twelve picks before Patrice Bergeron. In that one the 44th pick in the draft by LA was Konstantin Pushkarev <laughs> one pick ahead of Patrice Bergeron <laughs> so uh, that was a swing and a miss for the LA Kings it certainly was but, uh, but uh, yeah it was a uh, it was an excellent draft and the Bruins took uh, Bergeron at 45 they did not they had took Mark Stewart at 21 so the first round pick was Mark Stewart he was a pick he was two picks ahead of Ryan Kessler so that was uh,
1: So we were that going was, for defense though. There was a, was there a defense? Yeah. Was there a defense after
0: Stewart that was good? No, not really. Not, okay. and Brent Burns went right before him at twenty. Oh. But it wasn't uh, it was there wasn't really anybody defensively after Stewart. Uh, and then it was Bergeron at forty five at sixty six. Uh, they traded Stuart to to Winnipeg for, for who would they get in return for him? Uh, Mark Stewart went to, let me check that Mark Stewart to Winnipeg. That's right. He, um, he was a 21st pick overall. Uh, let me see who Mark. Or
1: did he go to the Rangers first Rangers and then Winnipeg or Mm -hmm. just to the Winnipeg? He
0: went to, let's see. He went to Atlanta from Boston for a year. Oh was, a, games, oh, was that three games? Oh, that the expansion draft? Uh that must have been expansion draft. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He played six seasons with Boston. Yeah. He was, and, he, and was he was hard-nosed, a f- decent. He was hard nosed, physical yeah, guy. He was a decent. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, could certainly use now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh and he kind of plays the way would like Dave, uh Brandon Carlo to play. Yeah. Um Massey Mar- Marjamaki, Marjamaki was the 66th uh, pick of the draft by the Boston Bruins in the second round. Uh he went before I don't know Colin Fraser, Danny uh, Carcillo. Um you know not not much there yep. after him. Uh and then there was 107 was Byron Bitts. <laughs> Byron Bits was the 7th to the Bruins. Um Bitsy. And then the Bitsy and then Mike Brown the 5th round at 153. And then it was Nate Thompson, who's still in the league with Philly, I believe. Another center. He's played quite a few games in the league. He's been around a long time. He's a good fourth-line player. He is. He is. He was picked in the sixth round by Boston. Uh, And then eighth round was uh, Benoit Mondau. And ninth round was Kevin Regan. So that that was a 2003 draft, but. Berwins actually went Bergeron in 2003 and Krejci in 2004. As was a pretty good back-to-back centers. I mean, you Ooh. get your two foundational centers. Who was, the, who was the general manager at that time? That was O'Connell. Can we, can we hire him back again? <laughs> <laughs> O'Connell, O'Connell was there until I think it was Shirelli in 06. Yeah, when they, when they rebuilt and brought in Chara Yeah, because O'Connell, right? O'Connell was the one who had to trade Thornton, right? O'Connell traded Thornton. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I know, was it 02 or 03? Something like that. And they had the, and they got, uh, who did they get? Keith Primo. And I don't know who they got in that one. Was it? No, was that? Yeah. Ford? I think it was that. Uh, was Primo? Yeah, it was San Jose. So it was Primo. Was it did Storm Come Primo. Primo. I'm sorry, oh, it was Wayne Primo. Primo. It wasn't Keith. Yeah. Keith Wayne. was much better than Wayne. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh well. Um, so that's it. So the 2003 draft was uh, Patrice Bergeron. And it was 19 years ago. Hard wow. to believe. It Bender's is. poll this week: Who would you want to replace Kevin Dean as an assistant coach for the Bruins? We had Mark Savard at 53%, Rick Tockett, and Mark Reckie both at 21%, and Rick Bonus at 5%. Now any of those guys could be a candidate to be the head coach.
1: <laughs> they could. <laughs> sounds like yeah. the sounds like the Bruins fans want savvy. So
0: they do. Maybe yeah. Uh,
1: maybe Swings, And uh, Neely are listening and maybe Mark Savard will be the next coach of the Boston Bruins.
0: I mean, there's a lot of romanticizing about former players. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm, I have trepidation about, a, you know, a Savard or a Sturm, obviously. They don't have any NHL experience. Recky has been fired a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I love Mark Recky to death. Yeah. But similar to Cam Neely, I don't want him running my business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that. I mean, I know people get all emotional. Jason Veritek, we've heard about this for the Red Sox for years. Yeah. Like how great of a coach he's going to be. No one fucking knows. No. So... So I get a little bit of hesitation from that. But hey, if you want to bring, you know, I don't know, Jay Leach and Savvy, or if you want to bring Savvy and Sturm, bring him with Kelly and we can have a whole reunion. Yeah, yeah, have a reunion.
1: Maybe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and you, you would hope that they would learn from their previous coaching experience. like. Cassidy had like a game or whatever in Washington. I was yeah. in Washington for a well, short amount of time immediately. Right. In and, Washington. and, uh, you know, Belichick was in Cleveland before he was in Boston yeah. He learned some lessons there. So you, yeah. you would hope that whoever they bring in, you know, they've learned some lessons from the previous stop. If it's one of those guys who's, you know, been around the league a little bit more maybe right. than, than a, a savvy or, you know, a recce has been fired a couple of times and, you know, if he brought him yeah. in, you know, hopefully he learned some lessons and, and uh, you know, in his second or third go around or whatever, you know, they do a little mm-hmm. bit better job.
0: I think Julian was fired during a Devil's Cup run. He it was Larry Yeah, like he was fired during the run.
1: He was fired during and, it, and yeah. then they, and then they won yeah. it.
0: Yeah, because that was the right move. And Lou Larry Morello was, you know, infamous for for making those type of tough moves, which I wish Sweeney would do. Yeah, like he he'll make a move against the grain. There's a the guy workout. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. Uh...
1: You okay. know, maybe maybe not being the day-to-day general manager, but you want to give him the president's role if they kicked Sweeney and Neely out of here. I'd be fine with that.
0: I'd be fine with that, let, too. I let just him. don't know if the Jacobs would be okay with having Like, Lou, Mar- Lou Morello might come in and say, wait, wait we, we don't want to win the cup here? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I kind of want to win it. Right. <laughs> you know, so I don't know if outside the box. Bruins are really tight with their you know, with their uh, Bruins family. We'll see. Uh, Hey, go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. Follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're on YouTube as well. Download the Inside the Rink app. The NHL draft is July 7th and 8th. And July 13th, free agency begins. So we'll keep an eye on David Pasternak and see what happens with that. The Bruins, a ton of news in the last week or so. And there'll be a lot more as we go forward here in the summer. And, it, and I would like to personally thank Don Sweeney for giving us the content <laughs> all summer long. We appreciate it, Sweens. Sweeney's, my boy Sweeney. Do something right. Gotta hope so. Uh, hey thanks for listening everybody have a great week go Bruins thanks a lot bye bye